name is Phil, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here. It's my uh, really my joy and blessing to, to be with you every Sunday. And uh, today we are going to continue. We've been in a year-long study of the Gospel of Luke, the Book of Luke. And for you that have been with us, you know that, that we've been talking about this, right? Luke is a book that was written by uh, this Dr. Luke. He wanted to tell his his friend Theophilus, you know, all about who Jesus is, and and explain, you know, what was his life like, and what does it mean to to live as his follower, as his disciple, and so he took his time and you know just masterfully wrote down everything he could find out about Jesus. So for us, we get to kind of peek into this letter, this book, if you will from Luke, from Dr. Luke, to his good friend Theo. And, uh, you know, today we are going to be in Luke 7, 18 to 35. You can see it's mentioned there. And today's title is Pressing Through Our Doubt and Fear. And, um, you know, that's, that's a big one. It's a, it's a very big uh, kind of topic that we are constantly, I am constantly dealing with. In fact, this, uh, this past week, I was really kind of reminded by God, you know, how much this is a part of our lives. You know, for me, uh, I have been uh, doing a lot of work lately, um, kind of trying to get healthy. And thank you, many of you that have, have encouraged me or, you know, given me uh, kind of words of encouragement, compliments, you know, whatever about, yes, I did lose some weight, um, maybe a little over 50 pounds since um, I've come to Orange Coast. And it's really only been in the last like five, six months. Uh, but a part of that, you know, what I've been really focusing on is kind of my athletic performance. And, you know, a byproduct of that has been that, yes, I have been getting uh, kind of in better shape as I've been working on my fitness level, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, a big thing in that is that athletically, I've been trying to learn new skills and, and, um, and one of the things that I have watched others do, and I've been, man, that, that seems like it would be really cool to do. I've never been able to do this in my life, is to do some handstand walks and to walk on my, on my hands, right, upside down, right? You do it in the pool, and even I try to do it in the pool, my kids make fun of me, like, you're not even straight. You're not even, you're just fine, you know what I mean? And so I've always been like, oh, man, that would be so cool. Last, like, week or so, maybe a couple weeks, I started working on it more, and I'll go up against the wall so that if I fall too far forward, I'll just hit the wall, right? And then I'll slowly kind of try to be balancing, try to be balancing. And you know, a couple of days ago on Friday, after I had my kind of gym session, I asked my, one of my coaches, I said, hey, man, you give me some pointers on, on handstands, and, and I'm trying to be able to eventually walk, but the big thing is, you know, just freestanding, like, like just out on the room if I could do that, you know. How do I make that jump? What kind of things can I do? And, you know, he knew I'd been on the wall, and he said, you know, that's great, but have you ever tried it? And I said, no. <laughs> he said, well, is there any reason why not? And I said, um, I don't know, not, not really. I guess I don't really have any good reason. Um, and he was saying, well, you've got to do it, you know. And I said, well, I guess I've been worried about falling, obviously, right? And so he was kind of saying, you've got to tuck your head over, under, and all this. And I thought, well, I did judo, and... I remember that's the first thing you learn is how to roll, how to fall. So I thought, okay, that, that makes sense. And he's like, yeah, man, you just tuck your head under, and then you'll just roll forward if you, if you go too far over. 
And so he, he began to work with me, and he said, all right, just go do it, and, I'll put, and when you go, I'm going to put my hand up, and I'll give you this kind of bumpers, and, and you'll be able to feel that. And I would start to tilt over, and then he'd catch me, but I could feel, like, what does it feel like to have that balance, right? And then finally he said, all right, you just got to practice. And he said, he said, basically, you know, you got to fall. You got to learn to fall. And so he said, just do it. And he's just standing there, and I know he's not going to be catching me. And so I go up, and sure enough, I tilt over, and I, bam, slam on my side. And I'm like, oh. He's like, why are you going sideways? Just go straight. Just tuck your head and roll over. Another time I went sideways. And then the third time, you know, I thought, okay, tuck my head, tuck my head, tuck my head. And so I went up. I tucked my head, but then I forgot to keep my arms, you know, like, so I just went boom, and my head just went bam, and then I fell down, and, he, you know, he couldn't help it. He's a great coach, but he started laughing. He was like, oh, man, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm good, I'm good, you know, but I, I really wish that I had, you know, that footage because I was like, man, that was really awesome. Those, I had some amazing falls, and everyone around the gym was looking at it like, whoa, is that guy all right? Anyways, all that... And I finally, um, you know, I have a, a short clip that I, I shared with some of you, but you can go ahead and, and show this short clip. I had to slow-mo it to make it look like I'm doing it longer, right? You know, it's, next time it'll be in, in real, real speed, right? But, but from that, those first four times of just falling and falling and falling, after like about four times, then I got the feeling and really what happened was, you know, I lost the fear of falling. So I was able to take my first like baby steps. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week, literally. But, you know, so, so with that, I realized like, and, and I was thinking about my sermon and, and God was like, there you go. Right? And he said, why didn't you try it? Why didn't you go? Because I'm afraid of falling. Right? But once I did it, once I, I knew what it felt like to fall, that knowledge, that experience, that totally opened up, you know, a pathway to my progress where I said, I'm not afraid to fall. I had some good falls. And, and after that, I thought, oh, man, it's no big deal. Right? And then I was able to, to take some baby steps. And this morning, I think we'll see that it is normal. It is normal for us to have doubts. We will often have fears. But it's what do we do in, in that place? Do we push through to what God is calling us to do? Or do we just stay there and remain you know, in this place of, of just stagnation, of, of me just being up against the wall? Like I got really good at going up against the wall. Right? But we never get to where we want to go. So if you'll join me, let's pray as we get into the Word of God. Lord, we thank you. Sometimes I take it for granted how great a privilege it is that, that we are able to, to freely come together to worship you. We thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We say, please come. Open up our hearts. 
Open up our minds. Open up our ears that we can hear the words that you have in your holy Bible. That through Dr. Luke, as he is talking to his friend and sharing about who you are, that those words would also penetrate our heart. That those words would also not just make us think, wow, that's a great thought, but that we would actually be moved, that we would be moved closer to you. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So to catch you up, um, the Jewish people that, that we are, uh, that this letter is, is written in this time, uh, you know, they're under Roman rule. They're subject to Roman authority, taxes, etc., right? They're not happy about their situation. They long for a savior. There's been foretold this Messiah that will come, that will free them, that will save them, that will raise them up to a place of a prominence where God's kingdom would reign, right? And so they have been yearning for that, longing for that. Earlier in the chapter of Luke, you know, last week we, we heard from Pastor Toby how, how Jesus is going around. He's performing these amazing miracles. And, you know, right before where we're at in verse 18, he even raises a man from the dead. We see his heart and compassion as a woman is walking out on the street with her son who has passed away. And she is a widow, so now... She's not just a widow, but she has no son. Her hope, her future has just passed away. And Jesus has compassion. And he heals that man. It's amazing healing, right? He heals him from death. He raises him up. And so it's in that place, right after that occurrence, that we get into this, this uh, you know, passage in Luke. And in Luke 18, you can read along with me up here or if you have your own Bible. It says, The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And John the Baptist, we learned about him earlier uh, in this year. He is, is Jesus' cousin, and he had this awesome ministry of calling people to repentance, right? He was the one that was, was calling people to repentance and preparing the way for the Messiah. He was proclaiming that Messiah is coming. And we saw how there was this awesome meeting in the wilderness, and, and when Jesus comes and John says, whoa, there he is. That's him. He baptizes Jesus, and in that baptism, we see God's affirmation that the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. It's like the heavens open up, and God says, this is my son of whom I'm well pleased, right? And so you have John, this man who has dedicated his whole life to radically proclaiming the word of God. 
radically proclaiming the word of God and, and so many people's lives being transformed and changed. And he sees Jesus. He sees that God, before his own eyes, affirms Jesus as his son. And this John is now in a place of doubt. Because John, being that radical preacher, I'm sure that when he baptized Jesus and he saw all these things, he was probably fired up, right? I would be excited. I would be even more encouraged, and I would just turn it up another notch. I mean, John was already out there, but I would turn it up another notch, right? And we read that, that what happened was one of the rulers, the, the area was split into four, and so there's this tetrarch, which is one of the leaders of those four areas, was Herod. And this Herod, he had taken his sister-in-law as his wife. And John spoke out against that. He said, hey, man, that's not right. You know, that's sinful. You need to break that off, you know, whatever, whatever. And, of course, Herod didn't like that, and so he threw him in prison. And so John is in this place where he is in prison. He's in prison, and he's having doubts. So he sends, uh, he sends two of his disciples, his followers, that I guess they, they came and they were allowed to visit him. He sends them out to go find Jesus. Go find Jesus and ask him, you know, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the Messiah? Are you the one? Because I dedicated my life to you. I saw these amazing things. But things aren't working out the way that I thought they would. Right? I'm in jail. I didn't do anything wrong. I proclaimed what God put on my heart to proclaim. I think I was faithful to that. And yet I'm here in jail waiting to die. Are you really the one? Let's look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, and, and we'll keep on reading, but verse 24 says, When John's messengers had gone... Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. Because he sent his messengers back saying, yeah, tell them. You tell them, this is what's going on. This is what's happening, that I am the Messiah, right? And Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John, saying, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare the way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Basically, we have John's, John's people coming to Jesus, presenting his question, his doubts. I'm not sure. Are you really the one? And Jesus answers him, saying, Tell John what you know. Tell John what you know has happened, right? And he tells them, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, the death are raised up, 
and the poor have good news preached to them. And then to make sure that, that the people don't think that, hey, you know, he's coming down, that, hey, John messed up. You know, John lost it. That's why I sent him off with this word. He says, no, John, let me tell you about John. John, John is an amazing man, a prophet, yes. You went and saw him. He was a prophet of God, but he's even more than a prophet in the sense that he had the greatest privilege, the greatest honor was that to, to bring in, to, to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. But Jesus' answer to John, um, you know, is, is really... It's one of those things that, that we might miss because we're not familiar. The Jews were very familiar with, with the book of Isaiah. It was a book full of, of uh, prophetic words, a book full of things that they're waiting for. And in the book of Isaiah, there was these signs that would happen, these things that would happen. And those things are exactly what Jesus tells them to tell John. These are the things that happened. These are all these signs being fulfilled. And so he, he addresses John's doubt. He addresses John's fear, I think, by saying, John, you're sitting in prison. Things aren't going the way that you wanted. You're not sure what's going to happen. I am the Messiah. Just think about what do you know? What do you know that has happened? What is truth? What do you know? And go forward from that. You know, many of you heard my story, so I, I, you know, I always try to keep it brief, but um, my testimony is I grew up in the church. Like some of you young people that are here, you know, maybe you have been here since, uh, since you were born, right? I grew up in the church, and so I, I remember Sunday school and the, the felt board little things and, and the songs we would sing. And, you know, all, I had great memories of that. It was fun. Right? It was great. But as I grew older, it wasn't so fun anymore. And, you know, and, and I lost interest in the church. I, you know, I was uh, going through, uh, you know, growth as a teenager. And um, I actually came to a faith of my own at, at a church camp in junior high. And I had an experience at that camp where I found myself in probably, you know, to that day, I, I definitely said that was the worst kind of place I'd ever been. I never felt worse in my life. Depressed, frustrated, angry, confused. And in that place of, of just a total kind of rock bottom, uh, just feeling, I don't know what's going on. You know, I cried out to God, and I said, I'll never forget, I said, God, if you're real, I want you to show me and take away these, these feelings. Because I was just overwhelmed. And that day, God answered my prayer. And I was under these great trees in, in this awesome shade, and, and I remember just feeling the worst that I'd ever felt, and the most confused and frustrated, and as I... I walked out of the shade. I just felt something lifted from me. I don't know why, but he, he answered that prayer. He blessed me, and he filled me with his Holy Spirit. And it was like, 
you know, I, I had no worry at all. And when I think back to that time, it was, it was really just this, this overwhelming sense of God's presence. And for me, it was really that answer prayer of answering my prayer of, yes, I am real. And I'm here with you. I care about you. I heard your prayer. And that changed my life forever. My whole outlook, the rest of that camp, was completely different. Because if God was real, then everything I heard in church, everything I had read in the Bible, it had new meaning. It had power to it. It wasn't just a cute story or, or a nice little thing that kept me entertained. It was real. It changed my life. Now, in the several years after that, you know, I wrestled with God because I didn't have, you know, a good base, a good understanding of who God was, a good theology. And so my understanding of God was kind of like, um, you know, the, the movie Aladdin, right? It was... It was, hey, I'm connected to God, and he's going to give me the wishes that I have, right? And, um, and I had this arrangement with God that, hey, I, I do good for you, you do good for me, right? And so I was at church three times a week, two or three times a week. I volunteered to, to help out with different things, and I thought, hey, I do this good for you, you do good for me. And very quickly I found out that that was not, um, arrangement that God agreed to. And so I was let down many times in my mind by God. And over the course of many years, you know, I had many ups and downs with the Lord, and, and I turned away from him and, and thought, well, he's not answering my prayers anymore. I do all these things for him. I get no reward. I'm just going to do whatever, you know, is good for me. Well, after many years of that, you know, I had kind of found my way back to just finding, you know, after just finding emptiness, uh, you know, on my own. I, I came back and, and focused again on my relationship with God. And, and it was in this time that I thought everything is going good. Um, you know, I got married and Carolyn and I, we, we moved up to the Bay Area. We had a new life. We had uh, just new jobs. It was an exciting time. Right. And right in that time of this kind of just, man, this is amazing. Then, you know, someone else in my life that had at the time we thought, man, he's in the best shape of his life. He had been losing all this weight. And, and my dad, we were saying, man, he's so healthy. And then we found out in Thanksgiving that year that, that he had stage four stomach cancer. Right. And I'll be honest that that. Again, my, my understanding, my framework, my thought about God was that this is a good man. He's not perfect, but I know the sacrifices that he makes to serve the Lord. You know, his heart is for Jesus. This is a good man. And so in my mind, they said, oh, it doesn't look good. It's stage four, you know, that's, that's really bad. You know, it's very aggressive, you know. And... I said, yeah, he's going to be healed. I could even see it in my mind. In the church at the time, we were meeting in the YMCA in La Cunada, and I could see it in my mind that he would get up in front of everyone and testify, man, 
I had stage four cancer and God healed me. You know, praise the Lord. Everyone would clap and he'd have this amazing testimony to share, right? I thought, yeah, God's going to heal him for sure. You know, it's going to be a great thing. It's going to be one of those things that we'll all talk about. And, uh, and it wasn't until maybe two weeks, maybe even shorter than that, before he passed away, that I even had the thought, he might actually die. And when he passed away, when, when he wasn't healed, he didn't get that miracle. You know, my faith was really destroyed. And honestly, I, I think for two or three years, you know, I really was disconnected from the Lord. It was just a numb feeling. You know, I, I would sit in, in service and I just felt dead. I never forget because at that same time, you know, that, uh, was it Matt Redman or, uh, you know, blessed, blessed be your name, you know, and then I couldn't stand that song. You know, it's like you give and take away, you give and I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up, you know, like, and, and it was just, it was like torture and it was such a popular song that you kept playing it and playing and playing it. And, and I just thought, man, I just could not connect with God. I think part of it was because I had compartmentalized my life that I'm the oldest son my mom is now a widow. I got to take care of my siblings. All these things. So I said, I just shut off my feelings and I'll deal with it later. And I got to be the one there while everyone else is, is having a hard time. I'll be the one. Ah, it's, it's okay. We'll get on. We'll get on, you know, and be strong for the family. But they began to move on. And, um, and I couldn't. And when I finally began to think, you know what, I got to wrestle with with. Something's not right. I got I to gotta move forward with my faith. Again, I took some baby steps, and, and I was playing uh, bass for, for a church band. And kind of aside, but it's kind of funny because I ended up uh, being a youth pastor later, and one of my kids said, man, you're so different. <laughs> and I said, really? He said, yeah, when we first came to church, I mean, we didn't really stay in church, but when we came in church, we saw you were like, man, what's up with that angry dude playing bass? Like, you know, and they're like, oh, man, that guy's kind of scary. And then they'd leave and go hang out outside or whatever. But, but that's where I was at. Like, I was trying, but inside, I just could not connect with God. And, you know, I don't know why, but I finally came to a place where I really, I vividly remember in my mind that this question or this, this thought came into my mind. And, and it was just... I have so many questions. I have so many questions. Why this? Why that? How come? And I couldn't find any answers. And I had this thought that I may never get those answers in this life or, you know, after I pass. I may never get those answers, right? And this thought came into my mind of, well, what do you know? Philip, what do you know? And so I began to kind of, in my head, list out what are the things that I know are true. Now, first thing took me back to junior high, and I said, I know God is real. I may not understand him. I may not really know him that well, but I know 
He's real. I can never deny that. And as I began to think more, you know what? I know that in that moment when I knew he was real, that I felt his love. I felt his presence. And so I think I can take a baby step of faith that he loves me. And that began this process in my life where I began to say, well, if he's real, and if I can say that he's real and he loves me, then maybe this other thing is true. Maybe I can have faith for this other thing. And as I began to take these baby steps again with God, then my heart began to to open up again. I was able to connect with him. I was able to come into a posture of, I don't know anything about God, but I want to learn. Everything that I thought I knew, just throw it out. And let me start fresh. Let me get in his word. Let me begin to, to see what are the things that I know to be true about him. So I believe, although there's many reasons that, that we may get held up in our faith, in a relationship with Jesus, you know, some of those, those main reasons are when we find our place in a place where God doesn't do what we think he should or when things don't go the way that we want them to. When God doesn't do what we think he should, it's like we have beliefs, we have systems, we, we categorize things, we understand people, we we, we do that to, to help ourselves understand and deal with others, right? But God cannot be figured out. He cannot be put in a box. He cannot be confined to what we think he should do or how we think he should act in each situation. We learn about his character through his word, the Bible, through our life experience. We can be sure that he will not go against who he is, but we don't have him figured out. And I think because of that, John had an expectation of who Jesus was, how the Messiah was going to come. He was going to come and free everyone. It was going to be this awesome time, and he's the tip of the spear. He's leading the way, and now this awesome time is going to come. But God doesn't do what he thinks he should. Instead, Jesus is out preaching love. Hey, love everybody. He's hanging with the tax collectors, the sinners. These people are having their lives changed. Where's the judgment? I've been calling out for repentance. Where is the the change that that this new era is coming? God's not doing what maybe John expected God to do. My dad got sick. I expected God to heal him. That's it. End of story. Sometimes you find yourself in a place where God is not doing what you think he should. And that causes doubt. To arise. The other thing we saw in, in the Pharisees and in, in the crowds over and over again is unbelief, right? Things don't go the way that, that we want them to, right? God doesn't do what we think he should do, and things don't go the way that we want them to. In that instance, you know, later this week, I hope you will, you will read through The Pharisees, Jesus calls them out and he says, you guys are acting like little children who are not getting what they want. You're never satisfied. John came and you hated on John. I came, you hated on me. And for opposite reasons, right? He said, there's no pleasing you because you're like little children. You're just pouting because you didn't get your way. They wanted to be in control, right? 
But if you don't let go of control, you can't grab hold of the life that God wants to lead you to. So today, you know, my question that that I hope that, that you will walk away with is where are you in your faith? Are you growing closer to God? Or when you look back on your life, like when I was in that place of of just total confusion, when my dad died and, and all my thoughts about God were just shattered, are you still in that place? Maybe something happened in your life. Maybe nothing happened and you just stayed the same. Are you in that place where you can look back and say, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, I think I'm in the same place now that I was then. Or do you feel like, man, every day I'm learning more about who God is. I'm inspired more by his word. I can see that he's changing my heart. He's transforming my mind that I'm becoming new each day. and I'm growing closer to him. Where are you in your faith today? And connected with that is is Why? So you can put up the weekly challenge. I know you guys like to take pictures of this. I also will send this out to you uh, via email during the week if you're, you're signed up, if you're not, connection card, right? This week, I encourage you, read Luke 7, 1 through 35. Okay, that's the beginning of 7 all the way to, to today's portion. And consider how each person might have felt. I love doing that. When I read scripture, I think, what would it have been like to be Jesus? What would it have been like to be John? What was he going through? What are the thoughts that he's having? Right? Grow. Pray and consider. And, and this is something like, guys, this is, this is homework for you, right? But it's optional, right? What you do, like, that's all up to you. I give you this every week, right? What you do, like, that's up to you. Pray and consider if there are any doubts you're holding on to about God. Are there any fears? Write these things down. You know, you can take a sheet of paper, write a line down the middle. On one side, write down what are the doubts? What are the fears that you have? Just in life in general, what are the fears that you have? Now consider on the other side, what do you know to be true? What do you know to be true? Maybe your list is small. Like my list was just God's real. That's all I got. When I started that list, it's just God's real. Right? What do you know to be true about God? Write those down. And then overflow. What would it look like to push past some of your doubts and fears? Make a commitment to take some action this week to know God more or to act upon your doubts and fears. When I was challenged by my coach to, like, just do it, it was certain in my mind, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to fall. It's not going to be fun. I may even get hurt, right? That was that challenge. It presented itself. What is my doubt? I doubt I can do it. I have fear I'm going to fall. But I made a commitment with his encouragement to do it. Just try And because of that, I was able to take some baby steps towards, you know, my goal to grow closer, right? The same is is true with us in our faith. As God reveals those things, and I, I believe that he will, that as he reveals those things, 
Think about what it would look like to, to push past those doubts, push past those fears, to act upon them and see where God takes you, see where you get brought. What do you know? And he answered them, saying, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Amen. Today we, we uh, have the, uh, the, the blessing to take communion together. And uh, Pastor Jenny, if you would come forward and, and lead us in that time. In a moment, I'll be sharing familiar words from Scripture about this communion time. And I've been realizing as we're in the Easter season and we're remembering Jesus and how he uh, was betrayed by a friend and then how he died on the cross and then on Easter we celebrate that he rose again. These words of communion um, are so powerful, realizing that they take place in that context. So hear these words as we head into our communion time. Scripture says that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.